Hey, this is Josh, and I'm so glad you've tuned in to the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you're going to better understand your place in God's kingdom today. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, please visit us at graceocala.org. So how was your week? Pretty good, right? Anybody still without power? Raise your hand. We had a couple in the first service. Everybody has power here? Oh, gosh. Come on over. Hang out at my place. We got power on Friday. It was awesome. I never, never realized how much I love power until it's gone, right? Oh, sweet power. No matter what your situation was this week, I'm sure that you had stress. We all did. It was a very, very stressful week. But I also want to note just today, because I think it's so important, that there were some moments this week that were really cool opportunities for us, moments that we could engage with, moments that we could step into. I had one of those this week when uh, I woke up actually on Monday morning. Now, you guys, everybody knows the storm came through on uh, late, uh, or well, early morning Monday, and... Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't sleep very well. Some folks had no problem sleeping, slept right through the storm. Kudos to you. Uh, but in my house, we had 11 people. So all the kids came home from college. They brought uh, some boyfriends, and they brought some roommates of boyfriends. And uh, all of us were sleeping downstairs in the kitchen, on the floor, on pallets. And my house was making weird noises that it's never made before because of the winds. Just everything was happening. Now, I'm not even sure the winds were that particularly strong, but anything happening in the dark, it's just scary, isn't it? Like, you just don't know what's happening. And so I kept waking up very regularly throughout the night and walking around the interior of the house. Not that I could have done a single thing about it, but I thought, well, that's what a dad does, right? So I'd walk around and then go and lay down and pretend to sleep. So uh, I get up Monday morning to begin to assess the damage outside. Everything in the house is fine. Uh, and I come down here, I have somebody drive me down here, one of the kids, and uh, I noticed, of course, as soon as I came out, we live about two miles away from here, all these trees are down. Every yard is obviously just a wreck, but there are trees everywhere, power lines down. I come down here, I, I walk around the campus, we had very minimal damage, so praise God for that. Um, and then we go back to the house, and n- people are beginning to stir and so I sort of do the dad thing and rouse everyone off of their pallets, say, hey, let's get some coffee, let's get a little bit to eat, and then we're going to go out and start doing yards in the neighborhood. We're going to start helping folk. So we go out, and with 11 people, let me just tell you, with 11 people, you get a lot of stuff done quick, all right? Let me just, I mean, 11 college kids, by the way, man, I was, the, we had the crew. We were on fire. So we knock out my yard in about 45 minutes. My next-door neighbor, she's um, a woman who lives by herself, and she's in her, her mid to late 80s. So we knock out her yard in a couple minutes. And then catty corner to us is um, an officer with the sheriff's department. He's a lieutenant. And so I said to the kids, hey, we're going to go over and do his yard. He's been serving us all night, running these uh, 12 to 18-hour shifts. So we're going to go over and do his yard. And so uh, we go over there, and sure enough, as things would have it, a tree did fall into, from his yard into the road, and his chainsaw didn't work, right? That's how these things go. As soon as you need a chainsaw, it doesn't happen. I happen to have a chainsaw, so I went home and got mine, and uh, we began to uh, knock out his tree. And as we're doing it, this truck pulls up, and two other guys jump out with chainsaws. And let me just tell you, three chainsaws on one tree, the tree is no match. We're going to win. 
And so we just, I, I think, I don't know, but I think the tree was gone in about 20 minutes. I mean, we just totally just destroyed that thing. And the, um, by this point, the, the, the sheriff officer, he'd come out of his house, and his kids were helping us, and he said, he was all excited when we were done. He's like, awesome, let's go do somebody else's house. So, okay, great. So we just start going down the block, just doing more houses, and we did his next-door neighbor, and they weren't home, but whatever, who cares? Just rake up their yard, pick up their leaves and branches and put them in a pile. And about this time, I'm beginning to feel it. Okay, we've done quite a bit of work. Uh, I'm a little bit tired. Everybody's a little bit tired. We need to eat, get some water. So we sort of knock off. We've done four or five houses. We've talked to the other neighbors to make sure everybody's okay. If anybody else wanted any help, nobody did. So we go back to our house, take some uh, very brisk cold showers. Those are nice, aren't they? Uh, I forgot the joy of the cold shower. Uh, it wakes you up every time. So we take our cold showers and we get something to eat. We're sort of resting a little bit. And a couple hours after that, there's a knock on our front door. And it's one of my neighbors that I've never met. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm the guy who lives on the corner. That we weren't home when you did our yard, but I came home and we just found our yard done. And he said, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't don't know how to express my gratitude. And I said, what do you mean? We just raked your yard. And he said, well, you've restored my hope in humanity. Now, that's a very sweet thing to say, but brothers and sisters, it's a yard, okay? It's a front yard. I did not cure cancer. I didn't save his house. I didn't save any of his family members. I raked his yard for an hour maybe. And yet, he was so overwhelmed by that act, that gesture, that he was at some points in our conversation at a loss for words. And I was stunned. I really was, because it, to me, it's no, big di- no biggie, no big deal. I had the kids, I had the rakes, let's do this, right? It's just called being a neighbor, it's just called being a Christian. And yet, he acted like he wanted to give me money, like he wanted to do something for me, pay me back in some way. And I've been thinking about that ever since. I've been thinking about what this means, not only for me and my neighborhood, but also for us in this world. Is that what this world has come to? Is that where we're at right now? That when you help your neighbor or when they help you, the very next thing that you're thinking about is, how do, I give, how do I give back to them? How do I do it for them? How do I return that gift they've given to me? Because, let's be honest, raking a yard is not heroic. It's not. It's hardly anything. And so there's a problem here. The problem to me is this. Why would my neighbor be so shocked by such a simple act? Has no one else been kind to him with such a simple little gesture? How did he come to this place where he was so overwhelmed by a simple raking of a yard? I've been thinking about that all week. It's also made me realize that maybe as much as this storm brought chaos and havoc to world for a few minor days, I also have begun to think that there is an opportunity for us here, and what I mean by us as Christians, that is what Jesus calls the church, for us to actually step into this storm and respond and say, no, there's something else here. There's something more important. 
where we can look at our neighbors and say there's something more that matters than just helping each other. There's something that's even better called the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And I want you very uh, specifically to look at Matthew 18, our gospel reading today, because I love how God has orchestrated these things. He's brought them together in such a way that we have this storm and we have this gospel reading, and it is a perfect hand-in-glove moment, and I don't want you to miss it. Here in Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus a really ridiculously dumb question. I hope you see this. How often should I forgive? How much should I forgive someone is what Peter asks. If there is not a stupider question in the world, I don't know what it is. And Jesus very uh, graciously tries to take it seriously. And he says seven times 70, seven times seven, depending on your translation. That is a whole lot is what Jesus says. And more than likely, Peter still had this quizzical ridiculous look on his face and so Jesus said let me clarify for you by telling you a story and here's the thing that Jesus knows that I completely copied Jesus knows that if he tells Peter a story he's going to remember the story he won't remember the point it's why I tell you stories you forget my sermons but you remember my stories same deal okay so he tells him a story about a king and a guy who has a debt to that king now, as he begins to tell this story, we know that Peter's already missing it. Just from the start, I want you to recognize that this is one of those moments where Jesus is teaching. He's very excited about something, probably. You've seen this in classrooms. And suddenly a hand shoots up and says, hey, is this on the test? And Jesus must have been like, oh, jeez. Come on, Peter. Stick with me here, buddy. Because the moment that we begin to ask the have-to question, do I have to forgive somebody? How many times do I have to forgive somebody? The moment we have that thought or we ask that question, I hope you realize that you don't want to really do it anyway. You're not involved in this discussion. Why? Because you're thinking about how far you have to go and when you can quit. And as soon as we begin to think about when we can quit, we were never involved in that discussion. We want a way out. We want a back door. Peter's looking for a back door. We do the same thing. Jesus is calling us out. And so Jesus tells an awesome story. He says, all right, Peter, let me make this exceptionally clear about forgiving people. What forgiveness, even more than forgiving people, but what forgiveness itself looks like. And he says there's a king and there's a guy. And the guy owes the king a lot of money. Now, in today's dollars, 10,000 talents would have been somewhere north of $2 billion with a B dollars. So this guy owes the king $2 billion plus dollars. He can't pay the debt. So he comes and he begs for forgiveness. Now, I hope you notice what this king doesn't do. He does not say, well, you just need some more time to pay the debt. If you had some more time, you could pay me back. He doesn't say, oh, well, we'll work out a payment plan. Instead, what the king does is he takes the debt, he rips it from the book, and he throws it away. He says, you don't owe me anything. Your debt is forgiven, is what the king says about this debt. So $2 billion, $2 billion forgiven. Imagine that's you. Woo! 
Pretty sweet, right? Two billion off your back. That same guy leaves. He meets somebody else who owes him about 200 bucks. And he flips out. Hands payment. And as you heard the rest of the story, it doesn't go so well for that guy. Here's the thing that we miss about this story. Here's the part that I absolutely insist you hear today. This story is not about forgiving other people. It's about living a forgiven life. It's not about forgiving the people around you who owe you anything or who have done something for you or have done you wrong or done you dirty. This is about living a forgiven life. And here's how I know. Let's say this week, let's say, let's say last week, I came to you and I asked to borrow 20 bucks. I said, hey, I want to go out to lunch and I need to borrow $20. And you're like, wow, $20 for lunch, a little steep, isn't it, Father Jonathan? I say, come on, come on, come on, give me the 20 bucks. You gave me the $20, okay? So I have 20 bucks. I go out and I, I have my lunch and, I, and I'm going to pay you back. But then let's say last night you won the lottery. So now you are a millionaire. Multiple millions of dollars in account because you picked those numbers or they got picked for you here's my question to you do you care about the 20 bucks no not at all why because you're rich you have so much money what's 20 dollars who cares right just pass over that 20 dollars but this guy in this story he experienced debt forgiveness not life forgiveness do you see that he had his debt forgiven, but he didn't understand that his life had been given back to him. He missed the most important part of this story. So did Peter. That's why Jesus is telling this story. So even though I gave my neighbor a very small gift by cleaning up the yard for a little while, he came to my house feeling yard cleanup forgiveness. And I'm guessing by his response, that he was completely unfamiliar with full life forgiveness. Because this little act that we did seemed so huge to him. Brothers and sisters, this is so important. I hope that you hear me on this. When we tell ourselves, or tell our kids, or our grandkids, or our neighbor, you know what, everybody? Pull your weight. Don't take anything from anybody else, but do what you need to do. Work for yourself. We are, in fact, violating the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Every time we say that, we are teaching anti-grace. We are living a life that forgives acts, but does not forgive a whole life. We are not living the forgiven life when we tell everyone to pull your own weight and do what you got to do. Our world sees it. Our world sees us who should understand the forgiven life. They see us living this very frugally forgiven life. And they think, why would I want that? Why bother with that? And they're right. So I want you to help me and I want to help you by saying, that is not Christianity. That is not Christianity. How do I know? Here's what I know. You didn't do a single thing to receive the forgiveness that you got from Jesus Christ for your sins. Did you know that? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. You are a moocher. 
except that your king does not think of you as a moocher. You were given this incredible gift, total forgiveness of sins, and yet you still, we still think, you know what, I'm going to pay you back. I got this. I'm a super hard worker. Let me, let me do some stuff. You owe him $10 billion. And so that's what we've taught the world, that we'll work it back. But here's the thing. He chose the cross. He chose the nails. He chose to die. And then he chose to ro- rise again. And every time we choose not to live that forgiven life, we are invalidating the cross and his sacrifice. And we've got to knock it off because the world isn't seeing it. The world is not seeing what Jesus did in us. Instead, they're seeing eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, quid pro quo, you help me, I help you, let's scratch each other's backs. That's not the gospel. And I think it's on us. I think it's on us to show that no one owes us anything. We have experienced the greatest forgiveness of all. And so it's on us to tell everybody, you know what? It was just 20 bucks. Don't sweat it. I won the lottery last night. I've been given a free life. I don't deserve it. Keep the 20. Keep the free yard. There's so much more where that came from. Do you see it now? Are you getting it? If you were somebody who struggled in receiving help over the last couple of days, you are someone caught in debt forgiveness. You are not experiencing life forgiveness. And I want to help you see that. And if you feel that conviction inside of you, man, let God speak to you right now. Because this hurricane, in fact, was a gift to us that we might stop trying to live a debt-forgiven life and instead be people who have had their life forgiven. Because when we are forgiven, when we live like this, we then, in turn, give freely. We then love recklessly. We then forgive with no hope or no desire to ever be given back to. So help me. Help me show this world who wants to pay everyone back that we've been forgiven way more than two billion bucks. And that forgiven life. It's worth everything. Let me pray for us. Father, forgive us for the ways in which we justify our actions, the ways in which we try to pretend that we can somehow pay you back. Help us again today to receive forgiveness that you are so freely giving that you have erased all of our debts, that our sins, as your word says, are as far as from the east is from the west. You see us as righteous, and I pray, God, that we would live in such a way that our community, our neighbors would know that the little 20 bucks that we spread here and there is nothing compared to the debt that you have given us, the life of forgiveness that you have granted us. I pray that we would live like millionaires with everything that you have given us. But most of all, perhaps with our attitude, with our soul, with our outgoing abilities, God, that we would live like prisoners set free. 
And as we do that, God, that our neighbors would not be surprised anymore by kind gestures, but would instead see you, would see your glory, not us, and in doing so, come underneath your lordship. We ask this in your name. We're so glad that you've been a part of our conversation today. We hope that you will take what you've heard and share what you've learned. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our church community, please come find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.